I generally find that most employers are trying to be more sympathetic to this stuff now because no one wants to be the employer on the 10 o'clock news that has done something to a woman, to a parent, to a person of colour. You don't, you know, someone who identifies with their sexual orientation in a different way. You don't want to do that. (laughs) You don't want to have your names in the newspaper. So generally, I feel that there's a bit more acceptance. A few updates. We have a few free events coming up where our fellows share their learning, including one on preparing for your children starting school in September and also another one on returning successfully from maternity or shared parental leave for people working in the NHS. To get all the info, you can sign up to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter or look on the website. I'm also thrilled to say that applications for our NHS Foundation Fellowship have just opened. I'll give you a bit of a flavour of what the last year's fellows said. One of them said, I think the impact has been profound. Without realising, I find myself having the confidence to engage in discussions and conversations I would have shied away from before. I don't feel afraid to be honest that I'm a mother anymore. Another one said, The impact of the Leaders Plus NHS Foundation Fellowship has been significant and transformative. It has provided me with a unique opportunity to connect with like-minded professionals facing similar challenges as working parents in the healthcare sector. Another one said, By providing practical strategies and support for work-life integration, the programme has helped me strike a better balance between my professional and personal responsibilities. One significant impact is that it has enhanced my ability to set boundaries and manage my time effectively. And the, I guess the thing that made me happiest is that two people mentioned the word life-changing in the end of programme evaluation, which is really positive, as well as quite a few promotions and so on. So anyways, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked because I got really excited about the impact survey. If you want to apply, the deadline is 11th July and we have 40 spaces available. This week's episode is with Rajni Rao and Temi Olusola. Both are Leaders Plus fellows who've completed the program and who are giving back to you all by sharing their experience of having a child start in school. We talk about the unexpected things to be ready for. We discuss the practicalities of how to survive if your child, and actually also how to thrive if your child has what seems like never-ending school holidays. And we talk about how to make it a joyful experience. This week's episode, unfortunately, the tech didn't work as well as I hoped it would. And so the audio recording is not as of a high quality. The editors have worked really their magic with it. But thank you so much for bearing with me on this one. So a very warm welcome, Temi and Rajani, to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Um, Let's start with you, Temi. Who are you? what do you do for work and who's in your family? Mm. So my name is Temi Olishala and I work in HR. I currently lead the HR team at Westminster Abbey in London and I love things all HR so I just have been doing it I don't know almost 20 years now I think. I have three wonderful girls age 11, five in a few weeks and age two in September so really big spread. So I always say that I've kind of I'm about to do the secondary school or high school, as some people call it. I've done the primary school and I'm currently doing the nursery and it's just 
yeah, I don't think there's one is better than the other. So yeah, have an amazing husband and uh, yeah, that's me. Thank you so much. Tammy, Rajani? Yes, I'm Rajani. I'm a principal engineer at Ublox. I build web and IoT solutions in the cloud. I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old and a fantastic husband who champions me. Without him, I couldn't be where I am in terms of my career. My children and I, we, we live in Cambridge right now. We made this move like about a year ago from London. And let's start with you. You've had this question before because you've been a previous podcast guest. Rajani, thank you for coming back. What did you used to believe about combining a big career with young children that you don't believe anymore? This is honest to God. (laughs) I even had my children really late in my life because I truly believed that having children means your career progression is stalled. But quite the contrary, as soon as I had children, my career just took off. And I can't believe this is really true and why I even believed that having children would impact my career progression. I have no idea, but it has uh, turned around since I have uh, children. Thank you for sharing. Temi, what did you used to think and then how to change your mind about in terms of combining a big career with young children? I think one, that it just wasn't possible. So it's, it's just not possible. And I think the time I had my daughter or I was pregnant about 12 years ago now, I was just seeing lots of people leave to go and be a stay-at-home mum or to go and run kind of mini businesses because they couldn't do kind of the employee nine-to-five side. And so I just thought, this is not possible. And I kind of almost put in my head, right, okay, after maternity leave, I'll just leave you know, because it's not possible. I think that's that's one. And I think the second one, which is just a big, I think, life myth, is that there's no one to help you. And it's going to be really hard. And there's no one to help you to do the juggle, to do that manage. And I think ask any mum, those things are still there, uh, any working parent, but there is help available. And it is very possible because we can, we can see we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm really curious about what you did in the school start period of, of getting help. But let's just, first of all, bust some myths. Because when I started, well, not when I started school, when my kids started school, I thought it was the start of my life being simple. And it turned out it wasn't quite that. So for me, I thought the settling in period, basically, I would start a day and then be in school. But it turns out for me, and that was during the pandemic, it took three weeks to settle them in. And it was like one hour a day, two hours a day over three weeks. And it was just unexpected and really tough. I was just wondering, tell me, what did you think it was going to be like? And then what was it really like? Just the practicalities of starting school. Gosh, you know, I had my first when none of my other friends had had their children. So now my friends are having their kids. So I had no one to compare it to. And no one told me. So I didn't know what settling in was until I got that letter. And so I just assumed in the UK, you apply for the primary schools. I think there's a deadline of like January of that year. You find out in March or something or May. And then I assumed the first Monday in September, they would be in school at least 9am to 4. That's it. And so I didn't book any leave at work. I didn't do anything because I just assumed. And then you get the pack from the school, which I think is probably around April, May, June or something just before schools out for summer and then I was like you Verena seen you know <laughs> nine till ten <laughs> and then I was like what and I think I got really upset because I just thought 
how does anyone think that that's possible? Because even the school works, right? Even the school, our employees, the teachers, the admin staff, they will have to, like, how do they, this doesn't work. And I got really frustrated about it, but there's nothing you can do. So if I remember rightly, I just rushed and I even booked my leave for the year. So the only thing I focused on was the half term in October. We all know that there's a half term in October and I just, I would, yeah, get ready for that. And I think I booked a week off. I hadn't even started working from home. There wasn't really a work from home thing back then. And so I had to book uh, what they call emergency leave for those days and come in early on that days. There was breakfast club. You could drop them too. I think for like towards the end of, of it. And then I just took leave. There's nothing else to do. But I just mean, remember being really upset because it's not what you had planned for. And no one else seemed to think it was uh, an issue. Fast forward, you know, three kids later, I definitely have a different opinion. But certainly at that time, it was really difficult. It's already quite a stressful period. You know, just trying to go into big school. They're excited. You're excited. There's a bit of nerves, a bit of anxiety. And the whole school system in the UK is quite weird, isn't it? Because you go from nursery. And nursery, you can get there as early as 7.30 for some nurseries. And they finish at 6, 6.30. And I was kind of expecting the same thing, you know, at, at least in the beginning. So I was like, why does she need settling in? You know, she's been at nursery. She doesn't need settling in. But of course, so many people are coming from different environments and backgrounds. So some have been with grandparents up until the school year. Some have been with friends, families, nurseries, childminders, that sort of thing. That's why the setting in is needed. So yeah, I hope that's answered your question. <laughs> mm, it has. And how about you, Georgini? Is there, in addition to what Temi described there, is there something else that you thought was going to happen and then didn't happen? Or vice versa? So I've had two experiences, two different experiences with the, my two different children. So I think it just worked out for me that we had a nanny for my youngest one as we were still looking for nursery. So when the settling in came, you know, the nanny was there to like take care of my child. And so that's one experience. And in the second experience, the settling in was so brief that I literally felt I was a bit apprehensive because we had moved all the way from London to Cambridge. Firstly, it's a new place, new home, and even new school. So there was no settling in <laughs> for her, for my oldest. So we basically just said, okay, right, I'm going to like go and drop her off in the morning and in the evening and make sure I'm having conversations with the teacher to see how she's settling in. And I was really worried as a, as a mom. And I've had experiences where my daughter completely didn't open up in six months. So I was a bit paranoid. And for the first two weeks, I made sure I was with her and that she was settling in. The second one was we had a nanny and we are happy that we could say, now she's a, our babysitter. And so we, we just invite her if she can. And we have a list of babysitters, right? So in the list of priority, we try and get some help. And uh, we are lucky to have family close by who can come and help us. Not every time, but sometime. So I've had both, both experiences with even the other way where like the settling is not happening. Like, you know, what do you expect? How do you expect the child to go versus one where the settling in has actually happened? And how is it different for you 
just having having child in school now compared to nursery can you just paint a picture for those listeners who've got the school environment to look forward to what does it feel like I know it will be different for everyone but for you Rajanani what does that feel like we were excited we were nervous we were also relieved in some ways (laughs) so we got the school that we wanted so we are relieved we were nervous because okay, the school starts and we know that the schools actually have like really long holiday breaks. And we're thinking, how is this even going to work with two parents? Even if you calculate a total of holidays, it's never going to cater all the breaks. And and also during these holiday periods, the nannies, uh, the babysitters are busy as well. Holiday camps get busy. We were nervous about how we're going to manage, but like any other parent. And we always wondered, how do the rest of the parents actually like we are in awe and we actually like Tenny, you have three children I have no idea how you you know we just do we feel like we're just about <laughs> you know there so when we look at parents and see how they are managing it it was always like surprise we were surprised how they managed but I think when things really happen you manage to make it work we just go for the help like wherever anywhere we've helped we keep a list of babysitters that we trust we just manage so when you say you just manage, for our listeners who are worried about not just managing, what are your top two or three practical things that you learned to do two or three months in that you wish you would have known from the start and you got a plan that ready? I make network of mums, parents, like really invest in building relationship with them because there will be times where, you know, both me and my husband cannot be there for a school event or to pick up the children because we're stuck. We literally stuck either in traffic and we can't be there. So then reaching out to them is like such a relief that, yeah, you're not left your kids stranded. So, and I think that would, that was the biggest thing for me to know that you can actually rely on this community of parents because everyone is in a similar ship. That's my first thing I would say. The other bit is organization, like a lot of organization is required. At work, I would we would like block our calendars to say this is our school run, full stop. It's non-negotiable for us, right? If you book meetings, you know, overlapping our school run, it's we would just completely say no. So also like I have learned to realize that how we show up and 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 truly having the commitment for our children is actually accepted. You don't have to go in feeling like, is this okay? Is this acceptable? But just go and say, hey, you know, this is school run. And all of them at work, you know, at some point have children. So they all understand. And if you say, this is my mechanism, this is my way of blocking the school runs or working with your team on when you can go on holidays, they're quite flexible. So just like that open communication and also knowing that it's okay. Like just go and approach your line manager, your team. They're always ready and helpful. It's basically we were also realizing that it's okay and not feeling like, oh my God, is this okay? Should I book my school run slots in my calendar? Thank you for sharing. And just obviously, Temi, you're going to soon do this for the third time, right? Not soon, but... At some point in the future, in the third time round, what are you going to make sure you've got in order with your third one once they start school practically? So practically, oh wow! I think Rajni said some of it. One is just building that community immediately. 
I think that sometimes as parents, we're quite protective of our children. And so you want to guide them from, "Mm, I don't know what they do in their house. And I don't know how they parent. You know, parenting is a very personal thing. And so you naturally don't know these people. Sometimes some people from the same nursery have gone to the same school. But, you know, most of the time it will be new. So definitely building that community. So I've built the community very well with my first. It was new to me. I kind of didn't have a choice. The second I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> didn't do so much. And so I'm, I've seen the impact on that. And so with the third, absolutely, I'm looking forward to building that community. Because not only, you know, even today, my second has a disco. And someone reminded me in the school WhatsApp, there's disco tomorrow. Don't forget the clothes. That is so important. I've put it in the calendar. My calendar has reminded me. But, I've, you know, the amount of things that you are juggling. And so having someone say, I was like, right, rush upstairs, get the dress. You know, that for me was just one of the highlights of my day, just remembering. Because you can imagine if you forgot, and she's the only one not wearing the home clothes. So definitely that community. Even things like people being able to drop your kids and pick them up. So, and wait with them for five minutes because you're just parking the car, you know, or something. That is incredibly helpful. So I will definitely urge anyone listening, and certainly I will continue to make sure I build that community and it's also important to the kids do they see that they see that you're talking to victoria's mum, you know whatever or you're talking to nancy's dad you know so that really helps as well to solidify that kind of total relationship of the parents the carers and the child and the school you learn as much from those parents as as, as they will from you so yeah definitely do that i think the second that i will continue to do is just not take it too seriously <laughs> I take my kids seriously, don't don't get me wrong. But if I miss something, it is not the end of the world. Now we have three different children in three different schools. Physically impossible not to miss something. The amount of school days coming into school disco. There's school disco. There's Red Nose Day. There's Diversity Day. There is an outfit. I don't know why. There's an out there's so many days with special outfits if you are in a school with school uniform. It's unbelievable. So you are gonna miss something. But also I discovered from experience, hands up, for the Christmas party, the teacher have emergency tinsel. So if your child is the only one without the Christmas jumper, they will put emergency tinsel. And exactly. Doesn't. You're absolutely right. It's just not the end of the world. We've got the three girls in three different schools in three different locations. Like It's basically madness, to be honest, trying to do that. And every day I'm praying that the parents' evening is not on the same day. We've just had sports day and I was so grateful. Honestly, I was on my knees thanking God that sports day wasn't on the same day, you know, those things. So actually I can't do it all. And I show my children, I'm not superwoman. I'm just a mum like everyone else trying to parent you in the right way and love you. And I also love my job. So and getting them to see that. So I will definitely continue to just take it easy. If I miss something, if I forget something, it's fine. and just not to be too hard on myself and I definitely don't do guilt trips anymore I think I did guilt trips for the first 10 years it was only in the last two years that I'm just not doing guilt trips anymore because it doesn't help you all the the time Hello, thank you so much for clicking to listen this is a special message for you if you are working in the UK National Health Service which I know about 10% of our listeners are Women hospital doctors earn 18.9% less than their male counterparts in the UK. So that means on the rare occasion where you work a normal working week, in quotation mark, Monday to Friday, that is as if Friday was a day where you work mostly for free. 
Sadly, the picture does not look much better when you look at the pay gap of nurses, midwives, allied health professionals and so on. And a lot of this is due to parents, especially mums' careers, getting stuck when they have children. And that's why I wanted to very warmly invite you to apply to the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme. It's all about supporting you to progress their careers, to break those statistics, to change it together and to do that in a really supportive environment, an environment where everyone else has children, everyone else wants to progress their career, but also everyone else wants to create a different future. It's very welcoming, supportive and really helpful to build your courage and confidence. Um, we have part-sponsored places available by the Royal College of Emergency Medicine. Thank you so much. And also we have some hardship fund spaces available, which is fantastic. Um, in order to access all of that, you need to apply by the 11th of July. It is the last intake this year. Um, we accept applicants on a rolling basis. So it's not a bad idea to apply sooner rather than later. You can also arrange a call with me or a member of my team. Um, we'll be more than happy to answer your questions. All the details are on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash NHS fellowship. That's leadersplus.org.uk forward slash NHS fellowship. I would be absolutely thrilled if this year again we have lots of people from the podcast joining us in this um, movement of people who want to create the change together. And I look forward to reading your applications. So just again on the practical, the other thing that surprised me is that there are, and this may just be our school, which is a lovely school, but there are a lot of things that parents are expected to be there. And I might make it, me and my partner between us will probably make it to about half. So obviously parents evening, fair enough. And then there's training for parents or that. For example, we had training, which meant kind of between 9 and 9.30, we were expected to be there. Another day, we had a cyber bullying session and sports day where, you know, you don't want to always not be there on the sports day. It might be helpful every now and then. So just thinking, so you used to have this 9 to 5 childcare time with nursery, and then suddenly you have these random bits where you're expected to quickly go into school. How do you square that with your employer? I like to do a lot of self-led conversations. So I don't wait for people to have the conversation with me. I realise that not everyone is in the same situation as I am in. You know, even if you have two mothers, two fathers, two parents, they're going to be different. The schools are different, their attitudes and responses. And so I don't assume that anyone knows my truth and what I go through. And I think that's important. Because sometimes I think we are in an expectation kind of bubble. And don't get me wrong, we should expect certain things. That, you know, we are, we are trying to be equal in this kind of uh, the life we have now. But I also, it's my job to say, hold on a minute. And so I have a conversation with my manager first and foremost to say, September's coming. And so my, at my company now, the financial year starts in October. There's lots of financial planning in September. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do what you guys think I might be able to do because I like to dedicate the first month of September to my children. You know, we've gone on holiday, done the summer holiday, but I like to really dedicate time to help them get, you know, acquainted with the new year or the new school. And so it's really important that you tell your manager and explain it to them and also share what. So sometimes in advance, I think by June of that year, before they go to school, you should have access to the school calendar. 
So sharing that calendar with your manager. You know, my line manager, his, his kids are in their 30s. No, he hasn't done this. And when he did do this, it was a very different time. And I suspect, and I say this with all humility, that it was mostly not him doing all of it. You know, so actually he doesn't have an understanding of knowledge of that. My previous manager had no idea how much it costs for childcare. Explaining that to him, his face went bright red because he just didn't expect it to be that much. So actually sharing some knowledge with people and those in your team, whether you manage a team, you lead a team and those who you report into I think is very important and showing them that the school calendar is ridiculous and so I might have to do things at short notice I will try and give as much advance and there are certain things already I can book in advance if you know when they are sometimes things come out on a termly basis as well so so definitely I would say doing that and that helps with things like flexible working requests that helps with things such as annual leave booking um and don't be afraid to ask for things that are a bit weird. And so if you're generally a nine to five person, Monday to Friday in the office, you might want the summer term to do more hybrid. So you're not asking for hybrid throughout the year, but you're saying during the summer term, because there are generally more events in the summer term, actually, can you do hybrid so you're closer to the school? You might decide that actually you want to do some term time working. If the annual leave policy is only two weeks at a time, you might ask for a special request to take more during August, you know, or more during December. So don't be afraid to ask for something and make sure you've done the homework as to how will this work with regards to the business needs, depending on your role. So, you know, if you're a senior leader, that might be more appropriate. If you're not, then, you know, that uh, figuring out the company and how they will work might not be appropriate. But generally asking, you know, as HR, I always tell people, when they say, oh, I didn't know I could ask. Why didn't you ask? Just ask, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to ask. Can I, oh, I know that we're only allowed to carry five days over, but can I carry six? Because next year my daughter's doing something and I'm going to need more holiday next year, but I will make sure I use, you know, so things like that. I generally find that most employers are trying to be more sympathetic to this stuff now because no one wants to be the employer on the 10 o'clock news that has done something to a woman, to a parent, to a person of colour. You don't, you know, someone who identifies with their sexual orientation in a different way. You don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to have your names in the newspaper. So generally, I feel that there's a bit more acceptance. If you feel that your line manager is kind of the blocker, sometimes it's the line manager who is the blocker. Maybe the head of department is fine. The CEO is fine, even HR. But sometimes you're blocked. Go somewhere else, take a different approach to make sure that your request is heard properly and rather than assuming. I think too many times, especially in my opinion as women, we don't want to ask. It's the same way we don't ask for the higher salary. It's the same way we don't ask for the company car when everyone else has one or the car allowance, you know, company car. Well, I really, <laughs> but, you know, so actually doing things, really taking yourself out of your comfort zone. You know, no person grows like a parent who's just about to start primary school. Like the growth you go through as an individual, you're resilient. You know, you have all these developmental areas that you, you move into because of this one thing. So it's good. Just be a bit bold. Mm. Hearing you speak makes me think that what we need to do is to approach the start of primary school similar to the return from maternity leave where you you know you ask for a proper chat with your manager 
you tell them this is what's going to happen because like you said they might not have a clue and then go through the process and follow up see how it is and that's for lots of things some people they found out that their child has some sort of developmental need again just going in with it like a this is the support I now need from the organization and not being afraid to ask for that support my daughter's going into secondary school that's totally different like I'm pulling my hair out and it's like ah different things and then they've emailed us we have to be there on the 3rd of July I have to be there on the 4th of August you know all sorts of stuff that you're just thinking ah. we should remind the listeners that you are an HR director in an institution that is more than a thousand years old or something like that <laughs> so if it can be done in that sort of environment then surely to be able to do that anyway I was just about to say I'd like to add uh, to what Demi said I think she's covered like a lot of I often find that going to your line manager with uh, the request, but as a solution rather than, hey, I'm not available, but also say I'm not available, but such and such person will be available for this or work out with your team, like who could represent you in your absence. They can see the commitment you have for the organization as well at that point, and they are more likely to let you take flexible working. So with my organization, I actually managed to get work from home contract, a flexible working. So, and they could see, and usually, of course, it's, it's not an easy thing, but we said, hey, can we try it for three months and see how it goes? Yeah, with your line manager, you speak to everyone involved and you can say, let's give three months ago. If it doesn't work, let's experiment it. Doesn't work, we resume our normal operations. But actually that three month tryout, they realize that you're not exhausted because you're commuting. You're much more happier because you're there with your children and your productivity is really high because you're not at office where you're getting distracted. You're at, like for me, from home, I can focus. So they can actually see this immense increase in productivity, not just like even the same. So I was able to convince them to give me a work from home contract, which means it actually helps like organize your day uh, flexibly as well. And the company is very clear. As long as you're, you know, you're doing, you're giving the output, you're doing the hours, it's fine and they don't mind. And what we do at, at sometimes there are times where I, I'm there at the event and then come back and carry on doing the hours or the work that's required. And I think generally companies are flexible. However, if I had to like give two things that we knew was really, really handy when we had like the kids starting school was my husband had these perks. So he could take holidays when your child gets sick, right? So when your child gets sick, especially the first two to three years, they are like forever sick. And you're like, is there going to be an end to this? You have to like then in short notice, take holidays. And my husband had this from his uh, work where that you could get an emergency childcare, emergency nanny. And that was fantastic that when it happened, you could be at home and then the emergency nanny would come and they would take care of the child. Of course, you're around and you could also like contribute to work without much trouble. And that was a great, you know, perk or package. And it shows his work's commitment in supporting work, you know, parents. And I thought if this were to become like almost like a policy, which more and more companies gave, yeah, everybody is going to be really happy because then they don't have to work out like who's having to take the holiday to manage when the child is sick. In terms of policies, it'll be really good if you could have those two. I'm not sure about mandating it, but it'll be great policies to have. I think that's such a brilliant policy. 
I would definitely love that. And is there anything that you regret, Rajini, that you wish you hadn't done this way at the start of school? I mean, you've got almost a year now to look back on on your experience. Is there anything that you think we do it this way? I wouldn't say I didn't do this way. I think my children are different, of course. And what I did with my first child, I didn't do with my second child. And it's for good reason. So like my first child, she was ready for nursery and she went to nursery and that was fine. And then when I came back from maternity leave, I was sort of like hesitant to ask for flexible working because I wanted my first child to get into nursery like in the one month she's going to do three in you know, three days gradually and I wanted this flexible working so the only thing I regret is I should have asked it with more conviction right like rather than a favor it's more like my right that's the only thing with respect to my second one we didn't have like enough nurseries around so basically we had to work around the situation and we didn't think she was ready yet to be in a nursery so we decided to have a nanny and yeah take care of the child it's hard for us to tell which was the right thing or not but we definitely as parents thought that that was the right thing and the and having the nanny for the second one meant in case like the first one was at home the nanny could cover both children so that was a strong positive there so with respect to regret you know you do the best you can right I haven't sat down and thought yeah thought whether I've regretted this or not but yeah I think there's one there's one I just remembered so when I did the shared parental leave with my second one and I shared it with my husband that was great but I think I would take in some more maternity leave for my second one rather than go back to work you know in hindsight I felt but in in terms of like the school starting I think you as parents you do the best you can and just knowing that that you're doing the best that you can for your children and you humanly possibly can is great we also cut down extracurricular activities for my child so my oldest loved doing a lot of extracurricular and just for our own sanity my husband's and the whole like school pick up and drop off we dropped a few activities after school and that meant we had a lot more harmony at home we were not like headless chicken running from the school pick up drop here and you spent you know either half the nannies or you do the pick up and the drop off so I think I think as a parent I thought I should give her the best and all that she wanted to do but there was a moment where we were like right I think it's a balance we decided to balance her extracurricular activities we intentionally chose a school that has some extracurricular activities. We do nearly none. Actually, no, we don't do any extracurricular activities outside of school at the moment. And it is so nice not to have to do the running around. I honestly don't know how you do, do it. And plus, we love to have our weekends to ourselves. I'd rather not. Like, it should be my weekend, not ferrying kids across London. Uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners will be thinking about school holidays. Can you just share, Rajani, what did you do with school holidays practically again? How did you, like, did you just find, were lucky to find holiday clubs? Is there particular tips and tricks of finding in holiday clubs or is it reasonably straightforward? So if you have two children and your children is younger, younger than three years, you forget about it. And, and the nursery that she goes to operates like a nursery school. So we have two children and we're thinking, God, how are you going to do it? So we sort of like do the activity clubs. We also want like the, the breaks to be a family experience, right? Because it's your time with the kids, like literally, you know, you want to spend 
And we want to make use of this. So we take them like swimming clubs or whatever, which they only do like for a short, a brief period of time. And then whilst they're doing that, you're working. And then basically after that, we organize play dates or they were having fun or we be going and doing something as a family. So for me, what worked is just having half day work meant I could be present at work at the same time I could be present for my child. And we shared this with husband and I. So between husband and I, we only did half day. So half day we would have, I can't thank my babysitters enough, right? If it wasn't for them, we don't know how how we would manage, especially with, you know, my parents not being here and also in-laws traveling. So help is what, so I have dropped off my child for like several days at a parent's place and they were more than happy to do it. So we would go drop off children like, hey, not only this, but can you also take care of my three-year-old? And they're more than willing to do it. So we've actually like gone to other parents and say, hey, can you take care? And we also do that. And we do, we, we share, we like have a router. We say, right, this week I'm available. Do you want us to take care of the children? So then there's like a handful of children that are playing together and it's easy to manage children when they're in a group. Yeah, so we do some activities and then we go around other other parents as well. So I would say babysitters, parents and any help you can get. And um, also remember that this is the time where you can really go out and do stuff with your children, right? And so I take that opportunity to spend a bit more time with them by just taking, yeah, like work half days and manage is a balance. And I think it will look so different for everyone, but it's just helpful to hear the different approaches. And Tammy, is there anything that you do differently from Roger has mentioned with the school holidays? No, actually, just, yeah, planning, finding different things that work for different weeks because you've got to factor in cost, you've got to factor in location, you've got to factor in time. Some of them are a lot shorter. You've got to factor in what they actually are doing for the whole time that they're there and whether you're going to do a general or you're going to do sports-specific, music-specific, you know, your location where you are, what you have access to. It's very postcode-led, unfortunately. And then planning in advance. I think Rajni said that, just planning in advance. You know you've got six weeks. How are you going to use that? Someone said something to me that's really kept things in perspective. You have less than 18 summers with your children, child, before they go on to do their own things. You know, 18, 19, they're going on summer with their friends and it's a bit more challenging to get them into an airport to go somewhere on a family holiday, you know. So 18 summers isn't a lot, you know. I've had five already. I've had 11 with one. So it, it, it really puts things into perspective and goes back to my earlier point about being bold and asking, you know. So you once you know summer's approaching, ask for some sort of flexible work and rejigged plan over summer. There's a lady that you, you well know, Dame Julia, and she says, and I know she'll be finding me saying this, that when she was trying to, you know, manage career and kids, she said, listen, I don't work in August, sorry. Now that doesn't work for everyone. If you work in the NHS, <laughs> any sort of public health or public service, you might not be able to do that. But I'm not talking about what she did, but I'm talking about the boldness in how she did it, of saying, you know what, I don't work in, in August. I had trouble saying I don't work on a Monday afternoon, let alone an entire month. So just really thinking about actually what could work how can I get my work done not stress myself and have some sort of time with the kids I think is important and then everything that Rajni said is absolutely can I just point out that parental leave 
is a requirement. So every organisation should allow you to have some sort of parental leave that encompasses maternity leave, paternity leave, 18 weeks that you have and can have up to the child is 18 and all the other things for if they're sick, if childcare arrangements change, teacher strikes, all those sorts of things. They must allow you to have it. How much you're allowed and whether it's paid or not is is obviously what's different, but they should allow you to have it. So no one is being stopped from having it because you should be allowed. Absolutely. No, and if you are, Maternity Action is a really good charity if anyone has legal problems. Good shout out to check. We're coming to the, the end of our time together. And I would like to ask you, like we do in every podcast, for your top three tips that could be emotional or practical for any leaders with children whose kids are due to start school. If you only can think of one, that's OK as well. But your top one to three tips that someone listening right now has a four year old about to start school should do. Don't be overwhelmed. It's a lot. So try not to be overwhelmed. You see all the letters that are coming through. Just breathe, you know, because getting overwhelmed just doesn't actually help the situation anyway and you want this to be a pleasant experience this is amazing you have worked hard for this this is a joyous kind of moment this big school for the child and for the parents so really try and soak in that as much as you can I think that's too so enjoy it (laughs) you as well it also reminds me that they don't stay in that baby state forever you know they get older so I'm not hopefully they're sleeping a lot longer now School tires them out. That is fantastic. They're so tired. I don't know what they do. They get tired. And that's brilliant for a good night's rest for you as well. Plan and build community as much as you can. Um, A lot of people are in the same boat that you are. Um, So it's absolutely uh, fine. So even though the mothers who don't have to rush back to work, there are also mothers that do and fathers that do have to rush to work. And so I remember this lady, we were always rushing to the train station together quite and that's where we did our chat and really got close. So, Rajani, any practical tips, emotional tips that haven't been mentioned yet? I would say seek work-life integration, right? Make sure streamline your work and balance your professional and parental responsibilities and constantly think about how you can streamline. We moved from London to Cambridge to streamline <laughs> this childcare situation, the pick-up and drop-off situations. And also, like uh, Tammy said, you know, the support networks are important. Build on that is also good for their play dates because meeting kids, they, they are building their social skills. And also, I, I would say prioritize and communicate your line managers and your team like early on rather than the last minute. So you don't want to come across like, oh, everything is last minute. If you can make sure that you communicate as, as soon as you know and you're going to be absent or you want you want to work flexibly just communicate that and make sure someone someone else is there to take care of your of your duties and also I think uh, for me what's worked best is a good list of trusted babysitters from Koru Kids and Childcare Code <laughs> UK and once you've vetted them out you've seen them then these are like the babysitters we have three based on their availability we say hey what are you doing and we try and book them early on because over holidays, they get booked up. So if you know they're the good ones, just early on, just say, hey, you know what, I need you for this. And yeah, go get them. So help is really important. Like Demi said, build, build community with other parents. So you can use that help. Also, any help you can get, holiday camps, whatever, whatever works. Fantastic. Really fantastic advice. Thank you both so much. You've been absolutely wonderful.
Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us. Thank you. It's amazing. Thank you so much for listening today. If you haven't yet joined any of our free events or fellowship program communities, then do consider signing up to our monthly newsletter, where you'll be the first to know when spaces become available. Details on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletters. We also send out a monthly bulletin of top tips um, and fresh insights, new ideas for working parents with ambitious career dreams. At the moment, we have some free events on the website and we have one program left for 2023 for people working in the NHS and one program left for people working in all other sectors. But if you are in the NHS, you only have until 11th July to get your application in. If you work in another sector, you've got a bit more time, you can keep an eye out for applications opening in September. If you do join the fellowship community, you'll join a group of, in my view, really amazing parents who are also very, very passionate about their career. Many of them are podcast listeners. So shout out if you are listening. Um, and they usually are, well, they're always people who really are passionate about their career. They want to progress. They want to make a difference, but also be present with their kids unapologetically. And the program has been designed by me to enable you to be I guess in the driving seat of creating that career um, progression that you want, that I want, so that we get more equality um, and also to help you create the family life that you want, to give you the courage and tools to do that and um, progress your career while also protecting what's important to you through setting boundaries. 60% of the cohort who completed it last time round said they had got promoted or got more senior responsibility, for example, a board role during the course of the program, which makes me very happy because that's exactly what we need to do to get more equality in the senior leadership tables. And obviously many of them did really well because they did the program with babies on their lap. You can do it anytime between being pregnant or having a child up to the age of about 11. We even have one person who mentioned the word life-changing in the evaluation, which made my heart jump with joy and made me very happy. Any questions on the fellowship programs, just email me or my team. My email address is ferina at leadersplus.org.uk. And I just want to give a shout out to Sam W, who I think I know who you are, but I'm not 100% sure. So, so Sam, I want to say thank you for being the most recent person to leave a review. Podcasts are incredibly male dominated. Apparently, four in five of the podcast hosts of the top charting podcast are men. But reviews really help to grow the reach of the podcast, to grow the listener base. Also sharing the podcast really helps. And so if you also think it would be quite good if the message in this podcast would reach more people about the fact that we should be able to progress our careers with young kids in tow. And if you think that we should have more female voices in the podcast, which is one of the fastest growing mediums right now worldwide, then you can do a simple thing of just sharing this episode with two or three friends and leaving a review. Thanks again, Sam, for your lovely comments. And thanks to you all for listening and your support. And it would be really nice to see some of you soon at our free events. And I'm sure I'll see the fellows who are listening at our events very soon. Thank you for listening and have a great week.